Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. It's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist, weight loss expert, and founder of The Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. Today, we have an exciting episode in store for you as we're gonna delve into the topic of weight loss injections. There's been quite a lot of buzz in the media about these fat jabs, and any normal person is gonna be curious, right? The way that they've been talked about and in some cases marketed has made it sound like the jabs will just literally melt away your fats. And well, wouldn't that be nice? But as with all things, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. For a while, they've been available to buy for quite a lot of money, um, but recently it has been announced that there will be some cases where the jabs will be available on the NHS. And that's caused a lot of frustration and concern, especially in the nutrition and the integrated health world. So we're gonna find out why that is and look at what these jabs are, how they work, and the pros and cons. Now, if you've been tempted to, or have even already tried these jabs, it's probably because you've been struggling with weight loss resistance. So before we dive into weight loss injections, let's quickly have a recap on weight loss resistance. Many women find themselves struggling to shed those extra pounds despite their best efforts. And weight loss resistance occurs when our bodies resist or slow down the process of losing weight. And it's often rooted in imbalanced hormones and a sluggish metabolism. When we experience imbalanced hormones, it can cause stubborn weight that seems impossible to lose. Hormones like estrogen, insulin and cortisol play a crucial role in our metabolism and our fat storage. And addressing these imbalances is essential for successful weight loss. Additionally, a slow metabolism can make it more challenging to shed the pounds. And factors like genetics and your age and lifestyle can contribute to a sluggish metabolism. So it's crucial to address the underlying causes rather than seeking out quick fixes because quick fixes rarely lead to sustainable weight loss. Our bodies are complex systems and weight loss is not just about calories in versus calories out. Instead of seeking out quick fixes, we really need to focus on addressing the root causes and adopting holistic approaches. So let's dig into these weight loss injections. There are three well-known weight loss injections that have gained popularity in recent years. And these injections include Saxenda, Wagovi, and Azempic. Saxenda suppresses appetite, and then there's Azempic and Wigovi, which work by lowering blood sugar. And these injections are typically used under medical supervision and doctors may prescribe them for individuals who have weight-related illnesses or a high risk of heart disease. While weight loss injections may offer some benefits, 
I really want to make you aware of their potential drawbacks and side effects because this often gets overlooked in the hype and these things are becoming more and more available and you know you might find yourself in your desperation hopping online having a bit of a google and being tempted to purchase one of these weight loss jabs so let's have a look at what some of the things we need to be aware of are one significant concern is the possibility of nutri nutrient deficiencies and you know these can occur when you're using these weight loss injections long term while the drugs don't seem to majorly impact nutrient absorption directly the ones that work by suppressing appetite can actually suppress appetite to an extreme degree and that can make it really difficult to meet your nutritional needs and get in all the nutrients that you might need and lack of nutrients is going to have a direct impact on the health of your cells and also your ability to build muscle and I've spoken in previous episodes about how important it is to maintain muscle mass, particularly for women after the age of 35, in order to keep your metabolism strong and fast. But if you're one, lacking in nutrients, and two, in a massive calorie deficit because your appetite is suppressed, you're not going to be able to build muscle. And in the last episode, I explained how big calorie deficits are a big problem for women, much more so than men, because women can't take their calories very low without suffering hormone disruption. So the fat loss jabs that work by suppressing appetite are going to have those same effects on your body in the long term as a very low calorie diet would. So, you know, while the drug might help you to burn fat, once you stop taking it, I really worry about what will happen then because I imagine that there will be a far lower muscle mass and therefore a lower metabolic rate. And you know, while you're losing weight, your hormones may well be struggling because you're in a big calorie deficit because your appetite's suppressed. And then that may mean that you have worse menopausal symptoms or mood fluctuations or sleep disruption and more. And these symptoms may take a while to develop, so it may not be immediately obvious that it's the medication that might be causing them. And when drugs have side effects like this, it can lead to polypharmacy, which is where we keep taking more medications to combat the side effects of other medications. So for example, you might start the fat loss jab and then you may experience some disruption to your hormones. So you might be prescribed the pill or HRT to help manage hormonal symptoms or menopausal symptoms. And then you might be prescribed an antidepressant to improve your moods and so on. You know, this is all theoretical because there hasn't been many long-term studies on these drugs. I'm just applying what I know about human physiology and similar drugs. And crucially, I haven't been able to find studies that look specifically at women. And we know from last week's episode, women are biologically different to men. You know, weight loss is different for men and women. So I really feel that these jabs are playing a Russian roulette because we just don't know what the long-term and female-specific impact is. And because of the metabolic and hormonal disruption, 
that when someone stops using these injections, there could be quite a big rebound effect where the weight lost is regained and probably more weight gained as well. Whether you're doing a calorie restricted diet, have a gastric band or are using these fat loss jabs, they're gonna have a similar impact and that's damage to your metabolism. Now, what isn't theoretical is the risks and side effects that have already been reported. As with any medication, there are going to be side effects and those can be easily found on reputable sites like the NHS website and Healthline and even on the information leaflets that come with the drug. And common side effects for these fat loss jabs include nausea, diarrhea, constipation, low blood sugar, fatigue and headaches, uh, bloating, heartburn and stomach pain. There's also evidence of long-term and severe reactions, including pancreatitis, gallbladder problems, kidney problems, depression and suicidal thoughts, serious allergic reactions, and even problems with vision. And then there's also been case reports documenting an increased risk of thyroid cancer and autoimmune disease. Now, those are just you know a couple of cases that have happened, but it's a risk and it's something that needs to be considered. And any drug you look up will have side effects and health risks. And that's why we always need to make informed decisions about whether or not to begin a medication, you know, whether the benefits outweigh the risks. But I feel that this is a bit different because this is something that is becoming available to us, you know, even if we're not severely obese. But the research, which is very limited by the way, has been done on people who have obesity related conditions rather than someone who's pretty healthy but carrying a bit of extra weight or a couple of extra stone. I'm sure there may be a place for these drugs, you know, for those who are obese and have exhausted all other avenues or perhaps are very high risk for heart disease and stroke and that sort of thing. But in my opinion, and remember, I'm not a doctor, so this is, isn't medical advice. It's just the opinion of someone who works in the weight loss industry and has combed through the very limited research. My opinion is that for the vast majority of people, there's a much better way. Holistic approaches are always a better choice for long-term health and effective weight loss. Holistic approaches focus on addressing the underlying imbalances in our bodies, such as imbalanced hormones and a slow metabolism. And by taking a comprehensive approach that includes nutrition, exercise, stress management, and lifestyle changes, we can restore balance and promote sustainable weight loss. And, you know, I'm not talking about eating less and doing more exercise. True holistic approaches prioritize nourishing the body with nutrient-dense foods, improving your gut health, optimizing your sleep, managing stress levels, and incorporating movement that supports our unique needs. These holistic practices not only lead to fat loss, but also contribute to overall well-being and long-term health without the rebound weight gain, the risk of muscle loss, or the risk of drug-induced complications either. So I hope that helps you to feel 
more informed. Of course, it's always important to have these conversations with your doctor. And, you know, if they, if your doctor is suggesting that this might be a good route for you, then have that conversation with your doctor, but make sure you get armed with the facts and do your own research too, so that you can make an informed decision. And if you've got questions about this topic, why not send me your question to answer on the podcast? You can do that by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and put in podcast in the subject line. Or if it's easier, you can ping me your question on Instagram or Facebook and you can find me at at louisedigbynutrition. Okay, now it's time for my favorite fact of the week. And the fact is this, moderate drinking won't lower your risk of obesity and diabetes. So that might sound like a bit of a strange fact, but in the past, some studies have indicated that people who drank a small amount of alcohol had a lower risk of diabetes and obesity than those who were teetotal, indicating that alcohol had a mildly protective effect when drunk in moderation. And you've probably heard that there are health benefits of a glass of wine per day. And quite a few years ago, I worked um, in diabetes prevention in the NHS and the guidance was aligned with this, that a little bit of alcohol was actually protective. However, this new study, and it's quite a big study, it's confirmed what I think feels like the most logical conclusion, which is that alcohol, in fact, does not lower your risk of obesity and diabetes. And the only safe amount of alcohol is no alcohol, unfortunately. Now, that's not to say that alcohol in small quantities is harmful, but we can't really claim that a daily glass of wine is good for us anymore. Heavy drinking most certainly is not good for us, and it has been associated with multiple health problems, including weight gain and diabetes, and this was confirmed in this big study as well. And I think this is a great opportunity to remind ourselves of what heavy drinking actually looks like, because you may be surprised. For women, heavy drinking is defined as more than eight standard drinks per week. So if you have a drink most days and then a couple of drinks at the weekend, you could quite easily fall into this category, which is associated with health problems in the long term. And if you're struggling with your weights and you also have more than one or two drinks per week, the easiest way to improve your health and weight is to cut down on alcohol. Switching to spirits instead of carby beers and ciders helps, but it's the alcohol itself that causes the most harm. And, you know, I often have women say, oh, you know, I did dry January and I didn't lose any weight. Okay, well, you know, that doesn't mean that alcohol hasn't contributed to your stubborn weight. It may take more than a month for your body to repair and rebalance after cutting out alcohol. And you may also be replacing the alcohol with something else, which is very common. And there will almost certainly be other factors that are also contributing to stubborn weight that hasn't been addressed. So we have to make sure that when we're trying to lose weight, we're not just doing things in isolation because that very rarely yields good results. Okay, now it's time for my listener's question. Let me just get it up on my screen. Okay, so she said, Hi Louise, thanks for all the episodes so far. I'm learning so much. 
I recently had some tests done with my doctors because I've been struggling to lose weight and feeling tired a lot. I thought maybe my thyroid might be imbalanced or perhaps I might be lacking in something. The receptionist called to say that everything was normal and no further action needed. And I was pretty annoyed because regardless of whether the tests are normal, I still don't feel great and I need some help or maybe some further tests. Yes, I know. So frustrating, isn't it? When they just say, everything's normal, don't need to see you again, but you haven't resolved the problem that you went to the doctors for, right? Um, what did I get up to? Where's it gone? Um, yes, and then you said you feel really let down. Anyway, I asked for a copy of the results because I know you always say not to take their word for it when they say it's normal. While on first glance everything did look normal, I noticed that my HbA1c was 42, which is at the very top end of normal. I tried Googling but found mixed information. Can you help me to understand what this means and whether I need to do anything, please? Okay. Thank you so much for your question. And I'm really glad that you brought this one to the podcast because this is something that we all need to be doing, looking at our own blood test results. Even if it doesn't make sense or you don't know what you're looking at, you still might pick something up that has been missed, which is exactly what this lady has done. So HbA1c is a marker that is used to assess the amount of glucose attached to your red blood cells. This is a good way of assessing what your blood sugar levels have been doing over the previous few months. It's a much better test than fasting glucose because HbA1c isn't impacted by what you've eaten in the days or hours before your blood test. And whereas glucose is, so if you do a fasting glucose test, it's impacted by what you've had in the 24 hours beforehand. So they use HbA1c to assess for diabetes and pre-diabetes. Anything over 48 is diagnosed as diabetes. Between 42 and 48 is pre-diabetes. And then below 42 is considered normal. But really for optimal health and weight loss, we like to see it in the low 30s. So at 42, you are right on that cusp of pre-diabetes, but I don't want you to panic about that. You can absolutely bring your HbA1c down to a healthy level within a few months in most cases. We see that all the time in the Nourish Method. And your doctors really should have picked this up and informed you about it, but I'm not really surprised that they didn't because unfortunately I've seen this happen loads of times and I don't know whether it's because the doctors don't have a lot in their toolkits to be able to help when it's not full-blown diabetes and they want to wait until it gets worse, but it is really frustrating because if they told people about it sooner or when it was getting close to that upper limit, then, you know, information is power and you'd be able to take steps to address it sooner. The good news is that bringing down HbA1c in most cases is very doable and it's all about blood sugar control. And that's what I talk about all the time on this podcast. So you wanna be focusing on getting plenty of protein, plenty of beneficial fats, keeping carbs low, so no more than about a quarter of a plate per meal, 
and sticking with complex carbs, making sure that you are not just having carbs on their own, so having them with proteins or fats, making sure that you're having something like apple cider vinegar before meals also helps to prevent blood sugar spikes and eating your meals in a certain order. So having the veg and then the protein and then the carbs helps to reduce blood sugar spikes too. Doing strength training and gentle cardio like walking really helps to soak up that glucose into the muscles. And prioritizing sleep and stress management is key as well because these are big contributors to raised blood sugar levels and also what your alcohol intake. So doing that combination of things consistently should really help to bring that HBA level down nice and relatively quickly. It does take a little while for it to have an impact. So, you know, you can't have a blood test in a month's time and see a dramatic difference because it takes a while for the HbA1c or the hemoglobin in your body to kind of be recycled and renewed. So I hope that helps. And if you feel like you need more targeted guidance, I can absolutely help with that. Just get in touch. And remember, if you'd like to have your question answered on the podcast, send it to louise at louisedigbynutrition.com and pop podcast in the subject. Okay, before we wrap up today, I've got to tell you about my upcoming five-day challenge, The Metabolism Reset. This is going to be your ticket to shifting the stubborn weight, maximizing energy, and feeling absolutely incredible. In this challenge, we're going to turn this year around for you and lay the foundation for metabolic repair and long-lasting fat loss. It's for you if you feel like you've tried everything to lose weight and you feel like you're a lost cause, if the diets that used to work have stopped working for you, if you want to lose weight in a way that's going to set you up for a long and healthy life instead of compromising your long-term health by dieting, and if you want to get to the root cause of your weight issues rather than doing another quick fix that doesn't last. As part of this boot camp, you're going to get five training sessions, absolute jam packed with mind blowing information and actionable steps, access to our private Facebook community where you can ask me anything and share inspiration with other members. And you'll get access to all of that for two weeks so that you can work through at your own pace. And there's going to be loads of opportunities to win prizes like food journal reviews, a VIP Nourish Box, and even the chance to win a paid scholarship to The Nourish Method. It is packed with so much good stuff. And you're not going to have the opportunity to work so closely with me again for under £50 for a while. So don't miss out. The bootcamp starts on July 10th, 2023, and registration is open now, but for a very limited time. You've got until Friday the 7th of July at midnight to register. Visit louisedignitnutrition.com and you'll see a banner at the bottom of the page where you can find out more. And it'll also be in the link in my bio on Instagram. So you don't need to be an amazing cook. You don't need loads of spare time. You're not gonna have to give up all your favorite things. This is about nourishing your body instead of punishing it and depriving it. So I really hope to see you there. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed, 
In this episode, you can reach me on Facebook or Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. And if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure that you hit subscribe or follow and take one minute to leave a review. I'd be so, so grateful. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.